You're tuned in to the NWSL Rewinds, presented by Modern Soccer Coach. That's what you call USA razzle-dazzle. Now your host, Clifton Bush. Welcome to the NWSL Rewind, show number five. Time has really flown by. Can't believe we're going for five weeks already. Uh, this week, we're going to look back at the league's four matches, as well as try and break down a surging Seattle team. And Sierra has the interview this week, talking to former Boston Breakers goalkeeper Libby Stout. So make sure you stay on and stay tuned for that. Sierra, how are you doing this week? Good, good, good. Short week, but it's all good, you know. <laughs> yeah, everything on Saturday, just in one day, out the next, no problems, uh, get it done. Exactly. <laughs> Which is good because we're back to midweek games. <laughs> yeah, right. Short turnaround. Everyone's got to wrap it up and go. <laughs> yeah, the league isn't leaving much for a breath in order to kind of uh, just kind of rest and get yourself going. It's, exactly. It's just so fast downhill now. Yeah, it's really fast. But um, we can start, though, with Utah and Portland. Um, it was a really good game. Lots of ties around the league. We had three ties and one win. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you've at this point, I mean, just in a synopsis, I guess, you're North Carolina is the only one who did themselves any favors this week. Everybody else yeah. punts and stays the same. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, Utah, Portland, a game that I think Laura Harvey and company were probably looking at thinking we're going to actually we're going to finally get this W um, a correction from my a statement I made last week. They now have four draws in a row. <laughs> uh, and so there was a four draws last week with the Chicago uh, win in Utah. So now we're back to. To what it is that I said before. So, but Utah, Portland, it looked like it was going to be Utah's game until uh, the uncomparable Tobin Heath enters the match <laughs> and scores in the 67th minute as if she had never missed a beat. It was the coolest goal, uh, certainly this year, I think. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it was as if she just hadn't been out for six months. Yeah. And I think, I think Utah is bummed about that tie i think that um maybe the game looks a little bit different if heath doesn't come in um i think maybe if she doesn't come in they may walk away with a 1-0 win um but i think when heath comes in it just changes the game i think the whole game changes and she like you said didn't skip a beat um she did what she always does and she just went in and scored a beautiful goal and um i think part of that comes from you know utah got a little comfortable and in the midfield, too many touches on the ball, um, get stripped, and then Tobin Heath just cracks one, and it's a goal, and it's over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the obviously we've been looking at the combination up to this point between Haran and Sinclair. Yeah, they've been working in tandem very, very well, um, and now the pairing between Sinclair and Heath, and then once you add in Haran in the buildup in that setup, you're really looking at a system that is going to be hard to keep off the board and try and get one zero grind out one zero wins. Yeah. And I think, you know, 
when you turn the ball over in the middle and you have Sinclair on top of you, she's so good about just finding gaps. And then you've got a player like Heath who's just in the right place at the right time and they're going to connect so well. And so I think we saw that and it'll be interesting to see, you know, as Heath gets more and more time, what that connection looks like, especially with Sinclair and Heath. But in, then, like you said, add in Haran and all of a sudden, you know, you've got a trifecta and what's going to happen from there and how is that going to impact their game as a team? Yeah, I mean, but you, you have Sinclair and Heath who've been playing together for six years. Exactly. Portland and Sauerbrunn and Corsi who've been playing together for six games. Exactly. So I think uh, it's it's a hard uh, realization for Utah to try and put it together as quickly as I think maybe Coach Harvey is looking for them to build this program. A lot of pressure. Home games seem to be a bit of pressure for Utah right now, which yeah. is understandable. But as they develop their home system, because it still seemed pretty defensive, even yeah. even for being at home. Yeah, I agree. Well, and I think I mean the I would say the biggest takeaway for Utah is that Rodriguez scored. I think that's a really good positive takeaway because I think you know obviously what second game back for her. Um, and she gets a goal. And I think, you know, that's, that kind of puts them in a good direction. I think that's a confidence builder for her. Um, I think, you know, her team seeing her score, it was a good composed goal. Um, awesome pressure on her part. She put a defender center back under immense pressure, bad touch, poor clearance. She calmly puts the ball away because the keeper came out yeah. to save it. She takes a nice, easy touch out to the side and just calmly puts it away. So I think, for her team to see that, I think it's a good place. I mean, as much as they probably wanted the win, I think it's a good place for them to kind of build because, again, you're getting someone back in the lineup that is going to have a significant impact um, offensively for them. And I think that's kind of that piece that they've been missing because defensively I think they've been good. Um, they haven't given away a, like a large amount of goals. Um, so I think to add – I think we've always kind of felt like they've been missing that just that little edge up top and to add Rodriguez into that. And if she can get to that point where she's a, you know, maybe not a 90 minute player, but get up there. I think that completely changes Utah's team chemistry and how they play. Is it, is it enough though? Do you think, I mean, to this point, I think we've seen whether that's Stengel or Radcliffe, um, Torshness, Young's daughter has had a great first five games. Yes. So, is Rodriguez enough? She scored, and it's a great emotional lift for her to yes. get a goal in yes. her, you know, inside of 40 minutes being back, basically. Right. But is it enough for them to sustain goal after goal, game right. after game? Is she going to be good for a goal a game? Right. From right. now until the end of the season to try and make a playoff run? Right. Because my question to you would be, is it enough with her and O'Hara, Young's daughter? Because it hasn't proved that enough. the rest of the lineup has been able to be enough of an attacking right. force to get them three points on the day. Right. Well, and I think that's going to be the question, especially I feel like in the next game, because hopefully next game she should be getting more time, um, you know, because I think the whole idea is every game you get more confidence and more confidence. And with a goal, you know, can we get more minutes from her? And then with that, can they gel a little bit better? Um, I don't know if it'll be enough. And I think the hard part is, is, you know, we've all been there where you play 
and you're in a, you know, either a losing streak or in a tie streak, whatever it is. And you kind of have a damper on your confidence where you're like, man, we just can't get a win. And I think if they can somehow get over the hump and get that win, maybe it changes the dynamic a little bit. But I think right now they're just, they're trying to build that team. They're trying to build in, you know, their new, new environment, you know, and I think they're just trying to establish kind of who they are. Um, I think consistency right now is just the piece that they're missing. Um, I think, you know, we've kind of, I feel like, seen a different team almost every game, whether it's, you know, possession, whether it's high press, low press, you know what I mean? I think we're just kind of trying to figure out who they are. And once they establish that, I think they've got good personnel where they can take it over the top and they can make it, you know, where they can make a good run. Next two games for Utah are Washington and Orlando, two high-pressing teams again. That's (laughs) very athletic front lines going against your back line. Constant, constant pressure, waves of attack. Uh, The next game after that is Houston, who has at this point kind of sat in. So maybe that Houston match is a time for them to, you know, figure out where their attacking system is going to come from but certainly harvey isn't gonna you know want to lose six points waiting to show up no waiting for houston to show up in sandy so (laughs) overall uh you know we'll work in progress Uh, portland thorns obviously just getting back to where their form has been for the last two three years absolutely i agree 100 percent Washington versus Chicago, another 1-1 affair. Um, <laughs> Ordega scoring in the fourth minute. Seems Chicago's defense has been kind of good for an early half goal. So this first kind of five minutes of either the first half or first five minutes of the second half yeah. uh, have kind of hurt their ability to keep clean sheets for yeah. a listen there. Yeah, I agree. Well, and you've got, I mean, the spirit goal, I mean, you've got, you know, you know, Pew and she's going to go down the line and she puts a good service across the box. And I think, you know, Chicago, if they can get that ability, I think defensively they've been solid. And, but like, I think what you're saying, you know, that first few minutes, if they can kind of keep it solid, you know, take the blows as they come and then get through that five minute, 10 minute window, I think, they're going to be golden after that. So I think if they can hold off from that time, um, I think they'll be they'll be better off. But I do think Spirit just comes out, and they've had a tendency, I think, in the last couple games to do that, where they come out fired up, and you've got to be aware of Pew, and Pew is just so fast on the side. Um, and so when she just gets down that end line, you know what's coming, and she's going to serve it across. She puts a great ball in pulls it right out of that six and then all of a sudden sends it in. And I think it's just perfect. So um, I think that, you know, good finish on Ordega's part. I think it's, you know, hard work got her there. Um, She continued following through, but I do think, yeah, if Chicago can keep it together for that first five minutes, 10 minutes, they, they may skate away with a win on that because I think overall they were the better team that game. Yeah, I think you're looking at a system where both goals, whether that's this um, previous goal uh, and the week with New Jersey, where you've kind of just got large balls over the top switches, like the McCaskill, even the McCaskill goal is a right to left switch where she just kind of 
brought it across. So it's just slightly a little bit more pressure in those little moments yep. in order to just kind of keep the game in front of you. I mean, the McCaskill goal is a tough one. There were, that was their third game in eight days. Right. Um, defensively, Chicago has been very, very good. I mean, Sam Johnson has been lighting it up with that right-footed tackle, um, yeah. just kind of blowing people up as she goes. So, I mean, right. defensively, Chicago has been very good. It's a matter of just kind of bending and not breaking. Right. At the end of the day, it's more about can they finish the number of chances that they've had offensively. Yeah. And so, at the end, if they can finish off teams can they start to break the backs of teams right um, out the gate, whether that's in the first 20, 25 minutes and, you know, really getting on the scoreboard, two, three goals and a higher efficiency rating that I think it's going to be really, really tough to beat Chicago. Cause it's, right. you're not scoring more than one. Mm-mm. No, I agree. Well, and then you got to also think too. I mean, not only have they been good defensively, they just added Sam Kerback. <laughs> Yeah. So now you have firepower and it's just, and, and you have Ertz that came back. Yeah, so absolutely. You, you know, you're just adding, I think Chicago's a team where it's, I don't want to say like a sleeper team. Cause I feel like in the beginning they were, they were kind of in that middle of the pack and they were, they were cruising along doing their thing and they've just been getting better and better and defensively they've been getting better. And now you're going to add in offensive firepower that they just put in. And so I think adding Sam Kerr and Ertz back, it's just, what are they like? What is their potential now? Like, where are they going to go? Yeah. I mean, they've had a very, very solid midfield. And now I think yep. they've probably, if you're looking at maybe a front line at North Carolina is probably being one of the top front lines in the country. Yep. Um, I think you definitely would make the argument that Chicago has the best midfield three in the country yep. now. Yeah. Um, and now you're adding an attack that is potent. But it yep. will take a little bit of time, I would imagine, for a player like Yuki to yeah. get herself integrated with Sam Kerr yeah, and just kind of get on the same page. And then you have also to add Sofia Huerta, uh, yeah. Alyssa Motts. You know, you've, yeah. you've got players that you've got to now begin to kind of get into a flow. And obviously, Julie Ertz will kind of be the captain – Yeah, things moving the right way, you know, kind of be the engine for the team, voice of when they're going to possess, when they're going to try to actually penetrate, you know, what is what system and style are they going to play at what moments under what rhythm? And so for me, I think it's it's definitely not a sleeper, Mm -hmm. but nine points on six games, you know, I'm sure they're probably thinking one or two more times they could have turned ties into wins. Right. And even the Portland game. Yeah. Lost yeah. into a tie. So, you know, yeah. it's it's only going to get much tighter and they'll probably be looking at them being one of the best defensive teams in the country. Yeah. yeah. And it's with a potent attack. So how do you right. you, you really gotta look at Chicago and say, once this clicks, they're probably yeah. the closest <laughs> closest team outside of North Carolina who seems to already be clicking to be yeah. They're the closest one to actually turn this into a sprint towards the finish line. Yeah, I agree 100%. Well, and I just think overall, I think the game was a good game. I think, you know, if you look at it um, a whole 90 minutes, I'd say probably Chicago would just looked like the better team um, on the day. I think possession-wise, they kept it well, organized defensively minus the first goal. 
Um, but I mean, I felt like for the most part, they were just put together well. Um, I think they, they're they going to be an interesting one to watch as we continue to go because I think if we can, maybe we'll predict that North Carolina and Chicago will meet in that final matchup. <laughs> oh, early predictions from Sierra. <laughs> early predictions for the final from Sierra. You've heard it here. <laughs> she's uh, I she's would putting love it on the on paper. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. That's the, the <laughs> matchup, I think, this year that would be amazing. Uh, Chicago yeah. possession, 54% over 45 for Washington. Yeah. Uh, eight more key passes. Yeah. I mean, they they definitely had more 17 to 8 on shots. So yep. even the stat lines will tell you that Chicago was better on the day. Yep. Um, I agree. The, the lone... Three-pointer of the day, Houston versus North Carolina. Uh, in Houston, North Carolina wins 2-0 uh, with a Hamilton goal and a Dunn goal. Yeah. Um, talk to us about how you felt Houston is building as we've, you know, they're a bit, a bit of a struggle on the point side, but do you think yeah. they're improving? Do you think they're staying the same? Do you think they're... I think, uh, you know, that backwards. was a hard one um, because I think, you know, for some reason they've been, I feel like they've been, they sit a lot. They sit deeper defensively um, and they're at home. Um, and you have, you have to be careful when you're sitting against the North Carolina team. I mean, North Carolina is a high press, fast athletic team. And if you sit too deep, they are going to have a tendency to find a way to score goals. And I just think, you know, I think for right now, they're just not, they're not there yet. They're just not clicking, whatever it is. Um, and I just don't know if the sitting low is working for them. Um, and I think, like I said, especially against the North Carolina team, I just think you've got it. You're having a hard time with that athleticism and that pace anyways. And so to sit deeper, you're just allowing them room to come at you. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if they've, I wouldn't say they've gotten better this week. Um, maybe just stayed the same, but I just think that they're not—they're not quite there yet for me. Um, I think they're just trying to figure it out, and I don't know if the low pressure is really working for them. Yeah, I would say the—I mean, for me, the biggest—I, Coach Powell definitely has to try to tweak things yeah. to get out of this team something. Yeah. You just can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting right. a different result. Right. But was this the game to start with a three center back system versus? No. <laughs> I mean, no. you're playing against two strikers, <laughs> but you're playing against two of the fastest strikers in the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With players and behind them who can move a ball. I, I mean, McCall Zabroni, obviously. Right. Is, you know, is being touted as i mean she clearly has earned the the accolades that she's been getting right. so it was an interesting system to try to play three at the back and it was for me it was very much three it wasn't a five right, right. Um, i feel like they really were leaving ohi and prince a little higher yep. to contend with you know with the flank space right that, that north carolina will bring so I mean, a game to play with three center backs, you know, Hanson as kind of a shield in front of them. You know, I don't, was that right. the time to be trying something really new versus a very, very quality team on a 
massive, massive run. Right. Well, that's the hard part. And I think, you know, I, I don't know. I just think, you know, for them, I think North Carolina looked as North Carolina has looked. And I think um, goalkeeping wise, like we talked about last week, kind of, it was rough for a lot of goalkeepers last week. And I think this week, um, I thought D'Angelo stepped up. I mean, she looked crisp. She looked good. Um, you know, she made a brilliant save off of a corner. I think actually two. Um, and I think, you know, so I think they've looked good. But I just think Houston's just missing that piece. I mean, North Carolina scores a goal. Dunn scored a goal off of a throw-in. Poor yeah. clearance. And it just it looked disorganized. And, um, you know, I don't know. I just don't think they're there yet. I just think they're missing – Whatever it is, and I think you're right. I don't think the time to switch to a three back, three center back was this game. <laughs> I think it's just challenging. Yeah, yeah. Can you figure out a way to get Daly, Mathalo, and Ohai, yeah, closer or higher up the midfield so that they can apply that pressure to defensive midfielders right. quicker? And yeah. it's a long time, and it leaves players like Sullivan and Zerboni a chance to get their head up, find multiple options, whether that's over the top, whether that's yeah. trying to go around. Um, and I don't think you can kind of leave players of that ilk with that much time and space. And Ojai and Daly, clearly, you know, good players who, you know, with Shim in there as well, are all players who can get in, press. Yeah. You know, they can make something happen. But I think right now they're being held back maybe just a little bit yeah uh, some of that might be results based i mean we've all yeah. as coaches we've all kind of been there where just the results aren't cool. going your way and you're just hoping to <laughs> yeah you're just hoping to kind of like hey can we just kind of keep ourselves together yeah um, for 90 minutes but it's a team like north carolina has, has too many weapons and can expose you i mean the the first goal is a clear example of that yeah, you know, so Dunn's goal is a throw-in from Jess McDonald, and you know she has a long throw. Yeah, well, that's another way now that they can beat you. It's exactly. not just over the top. It's not yeah. just using Zerboni. It's not just you know combination play with Dunn and flank. Yeah, now they can just throw it into the six-yard box and yeah. have to finish Crap. it. So, <laughs> where was that game going to find a foothold for Houston? Right, and starting off because the three back didn't last very long no. so what it went maybe 25 minutes and then yeah. we're back to a four and things actually seemed to settle down quite a bit right. and so yeah. I, I mean i think coach powell probably has her answer as to whether or not the three back experiment is going to move forward um, right especially against a, a high octane team like north carolina maybe yeah. in another sit back if you're playing utah potentially that's something that might get you a little bit of an advantage right um, against a team like North Carolina, probably not on the day. Yeah, not so much. Well, and I think, too, like, you you know, as players, you, you know, you sit, you sit, you sit, and defensively, I mean, you eventually – there's only so much you can take. Like, eventually, it's going to – there's going to be a seam. Eventually, you make a mistake. Eventually, something happens. Um, and I think that's the problem with them sitting is that if you're not applying pressure – you know, while defending. And if you're not applying pressure in an attack, so when you have a ball, if you're not keeping it and getting forward and getting in behind, the other team just continues to go at you and at you and at you. And eventually somebody makes a mistake because it's bound to happen. And that's where the goals come from. And so I think 
if they can find a way to apply some either offensive pressure um, or maybe press a little bit when they are in a defensive unit, like I think that'll help them be less likely to open up seams for goals. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know that I am thinking that Houston needs to be, you know, a crazy possession-oriented team. No, but I definitely think decisions from players like Mafalo need yeah. to probably be a bit better as to when you're trying to play direct over the top and when you should be playing into a pocket, into entry balls, into feet. Right. Because it seemed like they gave away possession too much. Yes. Uh, again, keep in mind, I, I, I'm not saying out there, people, I'm not saying, <laughs> you know, they need to be just knocking the ball around 10, 15 times. But at the same <laughs> time, the decision-making process of when to go direct and try to actually get behind the line or go yeah. through the line, those decisions needed a bit of a, a tweak. It was not enough. You know, you're still in the middle third. You're still in your back half, and you're trying to build out beat, there. beat Ersig and Dahlkemper over the top. I mean, it's that's a, it's a tall task. And so right. where can you find players like Prince and Ojai to their feet just to get you a bit more support? Yeah. To then be able to beat Dal Kemper in Ersing. Exactly. Um, exactly. It's just holding for another moment to be able to create a, a viable goal scoring opportunity. Right. No, I agree. Um, and then the last game, last but not least, Orlando Seattle, 1 1 tie. Um, decent game. Lots of, a lot of things happening in that game. What did you think about it, Clifton? Yeah. So. For me, Seattle, probably the the better team on the day. I think yeah. this is a game highlighted by Marta doing what Marta does. <laughs> um, you know, Marta is, I mean, there's an argument to be said as to when it's all said and done, who's going to be kind of the best player of all yeah. time. Uh, and you have to. I mean, you have to say Marta, and for sure, at least in the conversation. So yep. the the question here is: I don't know that tactically there was a lot of space that Orlando was giving up to Seattle in the middle of the park. Yep, and it was leaving Monica and Zadorsky without any support, and it leaves Nairn without any ability to actually play through the thirds. And so for me, that game was difficult for Orlando to get a foothold because everything had to go long. Yeah. Um, the vast majority of it had to go long. Now, when you have LaRue, Morgan, and Obagagoo, I get it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know? um, I think uh, Coach Harvey said in her press conferences, horses for courses, you know, so it's like, you know, right. you're, if you have the right personnel to do that, which they do, yeah, it might work on the occasion. But the question here is, like, can you do that consistently to create goal-scoring opportunities? And I don't know, without that little bit of a support to be able to play through a midfield, um, I think it lets Seattle gain a little bit too much of a of a hold. And Long just yeah. – she just was able to find tons of space, tons of time, impact the game from a defensive midfielder position. Um, Yutsugi – then could find, you know, Taylor and Giannis. Like, it was very simple, I think, for them to play through the middle third of the park. Too easy for me. And so uh, 
that I think was the difference. Now, again, I think we've looked at our is Seattle finishing their chances. Yeah, that's the problem. And, well, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think there's, I think with Seattle, you've got to look at like with your when you're saying like Orlando's direct. I think you also have to keep in mind like Seattle's got a good defense, and so they do a good job of keeping it together. I mean, Orlando's goal came off of a set piece, not free play. So they've only scored one goal in free play all year. Exactly. So I think like, that's the thing like you have to think about is like on the day, I mean, Seattle does a good job of keeping it together defensively. And that's not just the four backs. That's the goalkeeper, the four backs, the defensive midfield. That's everybody. I think they, they do a good job of getting people behind the ball um, and then being organized and behind the ball. Yeah, and there's, I think the fish lock coming out for Seattle. Yeah, that's definitely one. changed, changed the temperature. Yeah, of yeah. their ability to move in the midfield. Uh, fish lock just is she's so box to box. She, you know, she'll defend in any channel. Uh, yeah. you know, she just finds a way to put herself in a position to be helpful for her teammates. It, it's just right. one of the most unselfish players probably out on the pitch, and so that that changes the tempo of the game for Seattle. And then you right. put in a mark to goal. Um, and now you're looking at making, you know, making things a little bit more difficult. Um, right. Probably not that much of a coincidence that, you know, Fishlock is subbed out in the 57th minute and the goal is scored in the 61st. And so right. <laughs> those are, it's, she's a key cog in the system for uh, Seattle and yeah. that hurt them a little bit. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that's the, probably the, the game changing moment. Um, but I do think, you know, overall, I think for Seattle, they look at it. I mean, I thought Allie Long was brilliant overall. Um, obviously she scored, but I just think she's just a solid player that you can rely on every time she gets the ball or even defensively. I think she's just a smart player. Um, and I think that is just that she's just that center person on the field that you can count on at all times to be consistent. Um, and so I think that helps them. But like I said, I do think defensively, I mean, Seattle's just got to look at this and go, I mean, Martha scored a brilliant goal. I mean, <laughs> there's not yeah. much you can do about it. I mean, really, realistically, yeah. but other Matthew than that, it's not kick. free play. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> it, right? That's it. Like, other than that, you really can't do anything. So I think Seattle walks away and goes, you know what? We played a good game. We've held it together. Marta scored a brilliant goal. Um, you know, how can we maybe finish more chances as we go forward? Um, but I do think, I mean, they're just a solid defensive unit. Yeah, and Steph Catley has moved herself higher up the field. She's been in. Yeah. Know, Coach Andonoski has been able to get her pressed further, higher into the attack. Uh, and now there's a bit more connection. Now players like Fishlock and Long have somebody in a channel to be able right. to relieve a little pressure, switch the point a bit, and move the ball and find a player like Jody Taylor and Seams. And so I think there's a place for Steph Catley and her movement in this team to be very successful. And so, because there's going to be a lot of points where a lot of teams that they play against where she's going to be able to really use that flank space to her advantage. And I don't know that there's a lot of other opposition teams whose fullbacks 
are kind of staying as well are staying right. home. And so she's going to put a lot of pressure on fullbacks to, can you keep them in? Uh, and that's going to be a difference maker in who's kind of getting a foothold in, in games. Absolutely. I mean, long, you know, steady from the back three triangle, Oyster, yeah. McNabb and long, uh, but clearly long was able to get into the attack and it's an emotional boost for her yeah. being new in Seattle. Yeah. Um, Big, big game next week. Uh, Cascadia game. Uh, Seattle Rain versus Portland Thorns next week. So yeah, you got to be thinking she's dying to uh, get a little revenge on, oh, for sure. on her former team. Uh, and scoring prior to that certainly would uh, give you the emotional boost that you'd be looking for. Absolutely. Uh, and so that's Seattle's a team. I don't think we've – we haven't really talked much about Seattle – over the past few weeks. And so uh, good to get a little look into what they're doing and who their players are and how they're performing. Cause I, I definitely, as the table starts to kind of show itself out, even this early in the year, Seattle looking like a very strong playoff contender. So yeah. they're, uh, they're in the hunt for sure. Absolutely. Well, we will wrap it up today. Um, it's been awesome talking about the games. It was fun. Uh, it was a good weekend of games, lots of ties, fun stuff coming up this next week. Um, we have an interview with Libby Stout coming up next. It'll be really fun to listen to her. Um, she's got a great insight on the international uh, versus the NWSL, uh, what it's like to play at the levels and maybe differences there. Um, played with the Boston Breakers um, and then obviously played in different leagues overseas with uh, Bundesliga and everything like that. So we're really excited to talk to her and she's a goalkeeper. So goal goalkeepers are always fun to talk to. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so we will follow that with that next. So stay tuned and then we will see you all next week. See you guys later. Hi, everybody. It's Sierra Taylor, um, and today we have a special guest. Um, Libby Stout is joining us. Hey, Libby, how are you? Hey, hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Good. So, Libby, we just wanted to ask you, uh, from a former NWSL player, um, you know, kind of your background, a little bit about you, and kind of something there. Cool. Um, so, I am originally from Louisville, Kentucky, um, born and raised uh, in Kentucky. I went to uh, Western Kentucky University for college. Um, I was Division One, um, played in the Sun Belt Conference at the time. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I, I'm a goalkeeper by trade. Um, I started playing keeper when I was, I'd say, 14, maybe, basically because we didn't have one and they needed to throw someone in there, and it ended up sticking. But um, yeah, so I've been. I did that, and then I. I didn't really know I wanted to play pro until someone kind of approached me when I finished my senior year uh, at Western, and um, it, I kind of got the opportunity. I was about to uh, go try out for the Western New York Flash, um, and then uh, about a week later, um, before I was leaving, I the WSL had uh, folded, so I didn't have an opportunity to to play professionally in the states. So I had to go overseas in order to play. So I kind of 
just went with it. And I had a lot of support from my family and they said, you know, you're going to hate, you're going to hate if you didn't try. So I, uh, I got myself an agent and then I got overseas and I played in France in the uh, division one, played in Germany in the Bundesliga, um, played in England at Liverpool, um, won the, won the league twice and uh, went to champions league and played in that. Um, and then uh, my coach got the job, Matt Beer got the job in Boston, brought me over to Boston. And I played there for a, a season and a half, had a, had a bunch of injuries that kind of brought me down, but I uh, then finished my career recently in Cyprus, played Champions right. League. So yeah, that's my soccer life. There you go. <laughs> wow. You got a nice little detailed goalkeeper life. There. Yeah, all right. It's good. <laughs> so for you, you were in the NWSL for a little bit. How was your experience internationally compared to in the NWSL in the States? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of differences, I think, on and off the field. Um, you know, it's a different different group of people, I feel like, you know, because mainly when you're playing overseas, you're playing with a lot of foreign or foreign players. So they kind of grow up playing a different style of soccer and um, they kind of understand the game a little bit differently than Americans do, you know, good or bad. Um, so it was different in that respect. Um, I think I felt like overseas I was I was a part of um, a lot of gr- a group of people that was all coming together um, from different different areas of the entire world so it was a different feel that way where you kind of felt like you were a big family kind of taking care of each other where when i um played in the states not to say it wasn't a family environment but it was a little bit more um individualistic and um you kind of went out there and took care of yourself and took care of what you're getting what you need to do for that day and um that was a different feel um but then you know the styles of soccer are different um to you know i mean you can see it when you watch men's professional when you watch you know, European games versus American games, it's just a different style. And I think with women, we, we, in America, we tend to play a little, little bit more direct, try to get the ball up and, and we really rely on our athleticism and our speed, which we should, um, you know, exploit teams that way. Um, so it's a lot of getting down and getting down to the corners and throwing the, and kind of crossing the ball in and getting on them. Cause we're, you know, we're aerially very, uh, very threatening. Um, so uh, that's a different style for sure. So, uh, and then, you know, overseas it's more, you know, play through the middle and more, maybe a little more technical. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean a little more patient perhaps too, but, um, I don't know if you can tell where I just, where I, uh, preferred to play or not, but <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it's, it's just a different, it's just different. Yeah. It's just different. That's really good. Very good. Yeah. So what do you, you know, from the years, so what years did you play NWSL? Um, it was 2016, the full season. And then, uh, half of 17, so half of okay. last year. So compared to that and now, have you noticed a change positively, negatively, you know, yeah. anything like that? And if so, what kind of were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, specific to the Breakers, which is the team I played for, yeah. you know, we don't have a, we don't have a Breakers team anymore. Right. So, right. you know, that's right. something that it's it's sad. And I know it's sad for this uh, city because I've spoken right. to a lot of people and they've brought it up to me just saying how heartbroken they are about the breakers not having a team any longer. Right. Um, you know, and, and I, I'm fairly new to it here in Boston, but you know, they, uh, they really, pre- you know, everybody loved going to the games and, and being there. So, um, you know, and I don't know the specifics of that either. So, you know, I don't know what caused that, but, you know, certainly want to see more teams coming in rather than teams leaving the league. Yeah. So, um, you know, hopefully that's something that, you know, as time goes on and more sponsors kind of buy into it, that, it'll, it'll be a little bit more sustainable for clubs and for, for players. Um, but that being said, I mean, I think people are excited about soccer in in the States and it's, that's becoming bigger and bigger. 
you know, yeah. people, more people are buying into it more people are getting excited about it. And, um, you know, that stems from our national team. So, um, so that's great. You know, this, the work that they're doing on and off the field is huge, um, for yeah. the game. So, I mean, that's why I played because then the national team was my, you know, they were my role models when I was young. So that's right. what you need, but that's yeah. Good. So, I mean, just more, more excitement for the game and just more sponsors buying in and more people kind of giving it a chance, right. letting it go, letting it grow. Right. Very good. So who is your current favorite team? Current favorite team? Yep. Man. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think so. Like one of my best friends is Rosie White and she yeah. went to Chicago. Yep. So I feel like if I'm going to watch a team this year, it'll be Chicago and Portland because okay. Angela Salem is one of my girls too. Oh, and then uh, Kai is down in Houston. So <laughs> between those three, I'm, uh, I'm rooting for. Stiff competition, stiff competition. I know, right? Very good. All right. So, favorite player, and this you can't be biased with your friends now. You got to right? think hard. But favorite player, whether that's style, you know, and then give us a little bit about why they're your favorite player. Yeah, um, I really like, and I think maybe because I I started I was in France when she started playing was Lindsay Horan. Okay. Um, I just think she's a great player, and I I like her story. I just like the fact that she forewent college to go straight over i just think that's great for the game and like for people to see that and understand that because it's huge on the men's side where people will skip you know they'll skip college to go play pro in any sport and i think that doesn't really happen with the women and i think that's a huge a lot of courage has to go into that especially to go and play in in paris for your first few years so and i think she's you know she's doing great things she's doing you know coming through injuries and stuff too and um yeah she's just fun to watch she yeah you know she's exciting to watch so i'd say her Good up and coming right. player. Yeah, very good. She's very good. We talk yeah. about her a lot on our podcast. So I'm sure, yeah. She's a lot of fun to watch for sure. A lot of fun to yeah. play against too. I always like yeah. made a point not to get scored on by her. Yeah, we'd have little because we were both in France and like, you know, not a lot of people speak English there. So we when we were on the pitch playing, it was uh it was kind of funny. We just kind of talked trash to each other, but um and I made a point not to get scored on by her, but I think it might have happened a couple times. Uh oh. Might have happened a couple. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right so, that's all fair. With, so with the nwsl do you think you know what are some things that you think need to change in order a maybe for getting more players into it involved getting more teams maybe um better competition you know mm-hmm. maybe better facilities whatever you think like what do you think needs to be kind of the yeah. top three changes that need to that will help us get a bigger following make it more prevalent right I think one, the competition is great. I think the level of players is, is really great. The level that they play Mm -hmm. soccer at, you know, I don't think that that really needs to change. I mean, every time I went on the field, I felt like it was a, it was a fight, you know, there was never a game where you felt like you were going to just have it in the back where like you can play anywhere you can play overseas and that's going to happen, you know, fairly frequently, unfortunately. But over here, I do feel like that, you know, across the board, the competition is, is really good. Um, that being said, I know that there's, um, players who don't feel as secure. Um, and that's the nature of our league or the league is that, um, you know, you don't have any rights as players. So, um, I mean, you know, perhaps you have some, and some people have more than others. So it would, you know, that was something that I felt extremely comfortable when I was overseas that if anything were to happen to me, then, then I would be, um, guaranteed or I would have some sort of security and, um, and insurance in that way. So that was something I felt like I, you know, at any time, no matter when I could be traded or I can be waived. So that was, you know, 
from a security and from a stability standpoint, that's a, that's a huge thing that I know that girls struggle with and that some people, you know, they don't decide to come to America because of that point, you know, right. they don't, if, especially if they're coming from overseas and they want to feel secure where they're at. So I think, I don't know how to change that. I don't know. Right. I don't know where that stems from. Um, so I can't say what specifically needs to be done, but I know that that's something that would be very helpful and would yeah. be able to drag people from overseas and get some bigger players in and stuff. So, um, and just, you know, I mean, when you feel safe, you play better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you feel safe in any, in any situation, you have a better outlook on what you're doing, you know, whether it's soccer or in life. So I right. think that that would provide a little bit better, maybe a little bit better soccer and a little bit better, you know, players to be able to play to their full potential. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then you just got to keep, you got to keep people getting, getting involved and get more sponsors and more money into the game. So, um, yeah. you know, but I mean, they've made a huge stride in that with getting lifetime and yeah, uh, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, that just has to continue you Yeah, know, and you need the consistency of it too. So, but, right. Yeah. Right. Well, and how do you feel like, I know, you know, with Utah and everything, they've really, you know, done a good job facility wise and right. just kind of taking care of it. And I don't know, you know, I don't know about other places necessarily how mm -hmm. facility wise and just support if it's the same, if it's different, you know, right. um, and I think if maybe they can get, people can get to that level, yeah. players start to feel a little bit better of like, Oh wow, yeah. they are really back taking it seriously. As a team. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if that's how it goes around the league in general, but <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I mean, it's definitely, it's, there's not a standard there, which I yeah. think there should be a standard that kind of comes in where you have to have a certain, um, I don't know, a certain baseline to be able to be an NWSL team. Um, right. With facilities, you know, it de definitely changes, um, you know, right. you get, it's different everywhere and that's wherever you go. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, it would be great if that were the case, if things were a little bit more consistent on that level. Um, yeah. Cause I know there are some places where we go, we're like, oh yeah, it's Portland. Like, oh, that's going to be amazing there. And then you go somewhere else <laughs> right. and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, no, <laughs> not that trip. Um, so, you know, it'd be great to not feel that way every, t you know, it'd be more consistent in that way. Um, right. But I think too, it's about like I think pairing with the with the MLS teams is huge because right. you already have a fan base, you're you're already established, and right um, that helps I think with facilities too, being able to like kind of work through some of their stuff and right um, some nice fields and things like that. So right, well, and I think you get your you get the fan base of that kind of that crowd of those yeah. that you know the MLS team. I mean, if you look at Portland and you look at you know even Utah stuff like that they're they're getting massive crowds and I think yeah. it's because they have the support of even Seattle too like you right. have the support of those teams and people mm -hmm. are like yeah we can come out and watch them so absolutely and it's it's you playing in those environments are, is amazing you know like right. eighteen thousand people in Portland is you know that's yeah. <laughs> special so yeah right right so my last question for you Miss Libby is what do you think and it's a hard one. What do you, who do you think is going to win the league this year? Oh, gosh. Uh-oh. Man. You're hearing it first from Libby. You're hearing it first. <laughs> <laughs> um, darn. I'll go with uh I'll go with Utah. Oh. In there. First Wild time in the league. Fire. They're going to do it. Okay. All right. Got some confidence in Utah to do it. Yeah, I mean, I like Utah's cool. I've never there been there, go. but I'm sure it's a pretty sweet place. <laughs> 
Well, they got the facilities. They got some players. So hopefully they can step it up. You've heard it first from Libby. She thinks Utah. So, (laughs) well, we appreciate you coming on and giving us a little bit of insight on the NWSL. I think some people will appreciate kind of from a player's perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, what it looks like, what it feels like, how it is. And, you know, you've had the experience internationally versus, you know, at in the States. And so I think people are going to appreciate hearing that. So we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, well, thanks for having me anytime. I'll be back. Of course. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll talk to you later. See ya. This has been the NWSL Rewind. Have an opinion on the games? Let us hear it on Twitter using hashtag NWSL Rewind. And check us out at modernsoccercoach.com.